Talk with Ben Tompkins. Hey, how you doing, everybody? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Nobody Currently. These are the mixtape days. I'm wearing them pretty well. And man, I am excited to open up 2022 with the very first interview of the year being my guy, Caleb Leach. Man, this episode is an all-timer. Caleb is one of my best friends, man. I mean, we go way back. I love this guy's family. He's like a brother to me. I've had his dad on the show. I've had his brother on the show. Got tons of love for Miss Carrie. And it's just cool that we've been able to stay close and stay friends all throughout the years. I mean, we talk about how we met during this episode. It's kind of a cool story. And then just to be friends and stay connected with somebody for that long, 10 plus years, it's special. You know, it's a special thing. And my guy's a special guy. And so I wanted to get him on because I just have so much respect and admiration for what he does and who he is. He truly inspires me. There are stories that he's going to share on today's episode that I just find so inspiring, especially going through my journey and being in these places of What am I doing? I ain't got no choice but to boss up and just fucking grind. And that is exactly what my guy's done. So Caleb is an entrepreneur. He's a hustler. He's a leader. He's a world traveler. He's a man of faith. And he's also an area scout in Europe for NFL's International Pathway Program. He's a part owner of Europe's Elite. But most importantly of all, he is an incredible human being and one of my best friends in the world. Caleb came through the studio recently to dap me up and fill me in on all the things that he's been up to, living as an expatriate, the leaps that he's taken in his journey to be where he is now, what he's learned about himself as an entrepreneur and as a business person, and all of the growth that he's experienced in doing all of these things. Our conversation kicks off with Caleb breaking some personal news that he's moving back to the United States. So we spent some time discussing the challenges that that kind of a transition presents and what it can feel like returning to a place that's so familiar after having been away, living abroad, and constantly seeking growth and new experiences, meeting new people, trying new foods, going to new places and seeing new things. It can be hard. It can be really, really challenging. So that transition, as well as his shift from being a professional athlete to the business world and becoming an entrepreneur and the struggle that athletes face in finding their identity after they stop playing ball or their respective sport. That's a really tough transition as well. So that's how we open up this episode. And then comes one of my very favorite parts of the interview when he's describing what his mixtape days were like when he was living in Austria how he forced himself to find comfort in those trenches, and how hard he's had to fight to keep his dreams alive. This is really where my inspiration meter breaks. I mean, it's like giving me a reading that it's never seen something this inspiring before. I absolutely love this part of the interview, and it is deep. It's really deep. After that, Caleb reveals some insights that he's learned about himself as an entrepreneur, which leads to another great story that really demonstrates his ability to adapt, pivot, and how to overcome failure when things don't work out, as sometimes they rarely do in entrepreneurship. So how you handle that adversity, how you overcome that, how you deal with failure, that is a really, really big piece of business and entrepreneurship and The story that comes from talking about that is a banger. It's amazing. 
The real talk continues flowing and things continue getting deeper when Caleb shares his experiences of being a black entrepreneur and some of the challenges and the perceptions that black people face in the business world, as well as the challenges and perceptions that he's faced as an American immigrant or an expatriate living and working in Europe, and why finding a way to connect with people despite your differences is one of the greatest skills a human being can have. One of the other most powerful parts of this episode comes later when we spend some time discussing representation and the weight that you carry as an American on foreign soil, but also the weight that people of color carry in business and abroad, and how despite this being considered a burden by some, Caleb sees it as a power and a privilege to represent these things and as opportunities to create new perceptions. Major shout out to my guy Caleb for coming on and sharing all that he does for living a life that's dedicated to growth and helping others in their journey, for all of the incredible things he's accomplished to this point, and for all that's still yet to come. We're here for it, and we love to see it. If you vibe with this episode, please let us know by dropping a quick rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can do that now, my Spotify listeners. You can now leave ratings on your favorite podcast shows, so please, if you're a Spotify listener, go and do that. Or you can also help let us know that you really were vibing with this episode by sharing it with somebody else that you think would also dig this episode or that would find this episode of value or benefit to them. And one more thing, if you enjoyed this episode, I think you would also really, really like a couple of these other episodes that I've taped that are on the feed so you can find them anywhere you listen to podcasts. The first would be Shane Fowler on building relationships, bridging gaps, and graduating Harvard Law School. Josh Sewell on being disgustingly yourself, using sports as a vehicle and filling voids. And Tony Booker on pharmaceutical consulting, defeating self-doubt, and going for it in life. All three episodes, bangers, There are a lot of the same themes that we're talking about, being black and being in business, starting a business. Uh, Josh and I spent time talking about what his transition was like going from being an athlete into just being a civilian and living in the business world and going for other things that aren't sports related. That can be a really tough shift in identity. And also one of the OG episodes on this feed that I'll reference here, it's like the third or fourth episode that's on the feed. It's... Caleb's brother, Will, and his dad, Will Sr. Shout out to Pops, baby, today and every day. One of my main mentors in life, man. But that episode is titled, Don't Talk About It, Be About It. And it is very powerful. It's a great conversation. I highly encourage you, if you dig this one, that you're probably really likely to dig any of those, as well as any of the episodes that we put out. But I think that uh, you'll like those ones as well. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Caleb Leach. Okay, we now welcome my man Caleb Leach to the show. Back to the show. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm glad to be back. We haven't seen each other since 2019, I believe. It's been a minute. Yeah. Had a lot going on. Well, COVID was COVID, so obviously everybody has that year gap, right? Yep. I'm just excited to be home. I'm excited to see you because we were talking on the phone yesterday and earlier today about everything you had going on and that kind of like... Gave me a jolt of energy. Uh, I'm just, I'm in a great mood. So I'm really happy to be back. Which is like the greatest compliment I could ever hope to receive <laughs> is Caleb's like, 
yeah, we're going to speak a lot today about where you're currently at, <laughs> what you've been doing. We'll catch up. and uh, But you're currently in a transition period. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I guess that's a good way to phrase it. Uh, I'm moving back home, or not moving, moving. I've just been spending the last 12 months of each year in Europe, and I've kind of learned, I think COVID definitely helped with that, kind of learned I don't have to do that anymore, especially in my profession, where I travel a lot anyway. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm in Europe, I'm in Germany, Austria, France, Italy, uh, the UK, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, wherever, for a weekend at a time or a week at a time, and then I go back to my home base in Austria, maybe I don't have to to be in Austria the entire time. And I actually like Austria. It's a beautiful little country, but I miss home, just being honest. And with football, yeah, football's still king in America. So, yeah, I'm figuring it out. It's been great. I'm really excited for 2022. I'm, first of all, excited to see you after all this time. (laughs) I'm excited because not only is it great to catch up, but it's cool because I was telling you a little bit about where I'm at currently, right. and I'm coming up on my 100th episode, <laughs> and one of the very first ones that I have on the feed is a conversation that I take with your brother and your dad. Those guys came over here before I had yeah. the studio built up like it is now, and that's like the third or fourth episode. Now, you reminded me that we actually did tape it around like 2018 or yeah. tw- like early 2019. Something like that. But I kept it in the the feed that, that really this show started like June 2020. Yep. But I did keep that one in because it was such a great conversation and because I fucking love you guys. Yeah, so, much, shoot, you know? thanks, so, man. so to be sitting across the table from you and almost be at the point where I'm about to celebrate my 100th episode and where I was going with saying that you're in a transition period yep. was we were having this conversation off air and yep. you were sharing what you're going through right now and the fact that you had one of those moments that we all have where you start to think maybe things are good here maybe oh yeah and and then based on the conversation that we had you were like man all right let's go back in the game let's go yeah no seriously like i think it, it was just that simple moment of i'm back home in kentucky and it feels nice it feels really really good and for the past like three four five years every time i would come home to kentucky i was like i don't want to be here i do not want to be at home i don't want to be around these people and it wasn't even my family it's just like the mindset from a lot of the people i was around didn't seem like they were hungry or to be progressive or excited to chase their goals or excited to take some risk and that's what i wanted to do and even though i still have that hunger and desire and that burn to like take some risk keep pushing in my entrepreneurship keep driving and thriving through my career goals I'm happy to be home for a moment. Normally, I wouldn't be. I'd be ready and antsy to get up out of here and go back to Canada or to some country in Europe. Or uh, I was in Egypt at some point. I was in Japan at some point. Like, so just to be home and be at peace and just have like overall peace and joy is it's nice. It's such a big deal because anybody that's moved away from their home, whether it's Louisville or the Kentucky area or yep. wherever, and you come back. And I was listening to recently, you know, like uh, holiday vibes and yeah. everything is like homecoming by Kanye. Let's go. And home for the holidays from J. Cole. Yes. And he's like, I got to get up out the city for it. Try to Just trap, trap me. me you know? Yes. And I think if you have left your hometown, when you do come back, there's a reason that you probably left. Yeah. Right. 
is that you were seeking growth and that you were seeking other things that just maybe didn't exist or you just wanted to go explore it elsewhere. And uh, coming home can be a tough time. It can be, especially you're coming back and you're hanging out with people that maybe they are like, come on, Leech, like, you know, you used to do this, like, do it again, you know, or you're you're looking at family members that maybe they're taking a little bit of time to realize the growth and like the person that you've become even just since the last time that you saw them, whenever oh, yeah. that was. And oh, for somebody yeah. that's living internationally like you, you're coming home very intermittently. You're like, yeah. you know, making huge strides and they aren't there to see it all the time, like day right. to day. And you start to feel like people are trying to box you in. like, And that can be a a, a place of pain and confusion and it conflicts with the person that you are outside of your hometown and that that can be a really tough thing to feel like i'm home i should be able to hang out with my friends and my family and stuff but i can't enjoy it and so to hear that you're in a place where you're able to come back and really just let yourself be that is fucking awesome it's it's like it's nice and like a lot of friends would constantly friends and family constantly like y'all you haven't been home for a while you haven't been here for a while Things have changed. You haven't been here for a while. Like, dude, I know. I know I haven't been home. I know I haven't seen this. I know I haven't seen that. I know I don't sound the same. I don't talk the same. I know I don't think the same. I'm good about that. I, I'm really happy about that. I was talking with a few friends once uh, since I've been home and just telling them what I've been up to and my like future goals within the next few months. And I could see it like in their faces. I was speaking like either you have like zero interest in what I'm talking about or you just don't understand it. Cause it's not relevant to where you are in your life. And that's okay. I still love my friends to death. Like these are true friends who would be in my wedding one day. If I was in the hospital, they'd be the first people there. But I could tell like, although you give me a shot for not being home, like, yeah, I haven't been home. I kind of grew in a different direction and that's all right. It's all love, you know, just doing some different stuff. And it's really exciting. 2022 is going to be so good. <laughs> so good. And it's not even just for me. Like I'm, I'm excited because so many other friends have called me about what they got going on. And it's like, dang, all right, I gotta, I gotta keep up. This is awesome. Iron sharpens iron. Is iron what sharpens they say, iron, right? Yeah. yeah. And you were telling me we we had this conversation. You're like, man, this is like the third time mm-hmm. today or this week oh, that man. I'm talking. To, and I'm like, you know what? That means you got a great circle around you, man. De- definitely. Like, I want to shout out a few people, like uh, Aaron Jackson from Frankfurt, Kentucky. Uh, he actually moved to Germany in 2019 to play play football because things weren't working in the states after college. And then yesterday he got called up to have a pro tryout with the Arizona Cardinals. Hey, that's huge. Another friend of mine, Caroline. We've been oh, we've been tight since 2019 or so as well. She's from Vienna, where we've been friends in Vienna. And she was a bartender and working at a few restaurants and just getting these side gigs. And this entire time we've known each other, she was trying to get into her career, just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, trying to get into a career. And then yesterday she gets a phone call with two job offers like, <laughs> so you you over here upset because you have two people trying to offer you a gig i'm like oh, that, like that's unheard of and then my other boy Bo out there he's in the same position where they just gave him a promotion at a big gym in vienna i'm mm. like dude like you like you are having a struggle to leave a city because someone wants you to stay and give you a bigger piece of the pot and my boy isaiah and donald they're moving to charlotte north carolina like that's so exciting yeah I, like my other brother Williams, like he's got some. Uh, what he just applied for some big position, got a call back that he's in the second round of that. I'm like, dog, okay, 
I'm like this is exciting. My boy Chris Durham, like there's a lot of people. Chris <laughs> Durham, he got a, he got another job, a job offer out there in um he's in Paris. And then there was this company in Atlanta just offered him a remote position to do some things that he loves to do. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. Whenever I hear a friend get in promotion, I'm genuinely excited. And then I'm like, all right, I got to try harder. <laughs> I got to push myself. <laughs> well, it does. It makes you want to continue to. It's almost like um, like keeping up with the Joneses in yeah, a good way, though. In a good way. You know, it's in a like, real good way. William's a father now. You know, he's Bro. doing the dad thing. So on top of what he's got cooking with the career moves he's yeah. being a dad i see him a lot of uh diapers is the ig yeah. content which i'm like i celebrate you know like we we were discussing some of this before we started rolling yeah. as well and i think we share some similar opinions on children and kids and yeah. where we're currently at but when i see my friends who are doing it yeah it's like not maybe what i want right now but yeah Man, it's fucking awesome to watch you going through this because I am I'm, I'm following along your fatherhood journey as well. Exactly, you know? so I'm taking notes on my on my parents and and married couples who are already in it. Like I'm literally, if I hit you up asking questions and excited for you, I'm taking serious notes because I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> like I have no kids of my own. I'm not married. I'm in my transition with with work and my career hustle right now, which is exciting. But like I see other people doing it, and wow true superheroes that's how i see it like you just got pooped on and you're gonna go to work and you're gonna feed that person later wow you're a nice person (laughs) (laughs) one of the people i had on i um a guest i had on and they had recently just had children i'm I'm blanking on who it was but one of my questions was we're going along i'm like do you sleep ever (laughs) Because it was a mom who started a business and is going through the early, early stages yeah. of infancy. And I'm like, do you sleep ever? You know? Cause oh, it's like, no. Like, I have another friend, super, oh, like, the one of my closest friends in the world. Like, really tight. We've been tight since we were 11, 12. Whitley Miller. Like, we've been so cool. And she's a single mom. But she's killing it. And I always hype her up on the phone. And she's like, oh, whatever. You're just being Caleb. But, like, <laughs> no, I'm being sincere. Like, she bought her own place. Bought her own car paid for herself to go through school is making sure she takes care of her daughter every day like she's first and foremost always taking care of her daughter then she finds time to go work out <laughs> and i'm like are you do you need like can i i'll pay for your lunch not because i really like am trying to like like hit on you or anything like that it's more of like you just deserve this like you somebody needs to tell you you're doing a good job so yeah. anybody who fits that description wow but specifically that was for Whitley like you're you're killing it but any other single mom out there who's killing it like that like wow you shout out to them shout out to them because I ain't there yet <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's go ahead you mentioned the transition period I want to go ahead and circle back and tie this into okay. let's refresh and yeah. introduce yourself as if no one's ever met you before yeah, who 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 you are where you're from and what you do yeah we didn't do that because we were so excited catching up i'm so sorry <laughs> i get I, I, so it happens sorry. so often yeah. um yeah my name's caleb leach i'm originally from frankfurt kentucky really really small town the capital of kentucky for the past four or five years i've been living abroad in canada and in germany and austria and traveling through europe as a young entrepreneur owning a small company well medium-sized company now called Europe's Elite, where we highlight and showcase youth athletes ages 14 to 20 who play American football in Europe and Australia. It's been really, really fun. I've loved it. We've done a lot of camps all through Europe. And with that, that helped me move into my next position where I was working, have been working for a company called American Football International, which is much larger. And it basically showcases and highlights 
athletes who play pro football outside of North America. And these are all athletes who are 20 and up. It's been really, really fun. I've got to travel the world doing that job and working in social media, working in event space. It's been great. And then the, that job led me to my current position that's been really great, which is going to push me into my next career step. <laughs> uh, I am an area scout for the NFL in Europe. So dope. So dope. I'm really happy to say that. I've been like a little secret agent behind the scenes on a lot of that stuff. And I'm okay with that. I don't need the clout or the fame or the notoriety until it's like my turn to deserve those things. But it's all a step in progress. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for what's coming next in 2022 because I've been <laughs> doing a lot of work behind the scenes in Europe and it's been really fun. We're going to definitely get you back on and do a follow up <laughs> yeah. and plug some stuff back up in sure. 2022 when sure. uh, things pan out the way that I think uh, and hope that they oh, do. Yeah. So it's fair to say that you are an ambassador for the NFL. Uh, I'm, my specific title is I am a consultant and area scout for the NFL's International Pathway Program. I think in the bar talk with the boys, yeah, somebody might say ambassador, but specific title, consultant and area scout for the NFL in Europe. And that's a really big region. Right. And, uh, but you yeah. do, I mean, you... you do you work technically for the NFL? I mean, you're representing the NFL in when you're in Europe. Yes, exactly. In a way, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I'm one of the smaller fishes in the big pond, if you will. This is my humble talk. Like, I'm sure somebody else sees me completely different, but I, I like to present myself very humbly again until my time comes, right? Uh, I'm one of the smaller fishes or decision makers in that pond as I'm just a scout. But still, I get to be a scout for an NFL program. It's pretty cool. It's kind of like one of my dream jobs. You get to pay me to run around, watch some games, and talk about football, and I get to do it in a different country. All right, bet. <laughs> and they're paying you to do it. Yeah, like, you want to pay me to do something I love? I'm in. And I get to have an opportunity to get better with that and be a better scout, better entrepreneur, better businessman, network my tail off with people from France, from Italy, from Germany, from uh, Morocco, from Norway, then bring it all the way back here to places in Kentucky or to Texas or New York. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And I'm doing that with the Pathway program as a scout, right? But with Europe's Elite, I've been doing that for younger athletes who are, as I said, the ages of 14, 20, and maybe going on to play college football. Like we were watching a game earlier, and uh, there are two gentlemen on the University of Houston who one's from the UK, one is from Poland. And then there's another gentleman um, who's an offensive lineman from Germany at the University of Auburn. Uh, I'm blanking on their names because I've actually spoken to these guys. Like, I have relationships with them, but I'm so excited I'm blanking on their names. But, yeah, that's my line of work. Talking about international athletes playing the game of football around the world. I know about them, and I know where they come from, and I can tell their stories. It's pretty fun. Well, it's cool, too, because I've watched you. So you just laid out these building blocks mm -hmm. and these different steps that you've taken. Mm -hmm. Like, well, first I was doing this and then this led me to here and now I'm doing this and this is where I think it's going to go. And it all stacks up and it all makes sense in retrospect. Yeah. When you first started doing this, dude, you were playing, I think the last time that we had wow. you on the show, you were playing for the Salzburg Bulls. Wow. And then we're transitioning. So you were still playing. Yeah levels of professional football yeah, was. in Europe. Yeah. And that was kind wow. of the last time that we had you in the studio. Yeah, last wow, I forgot about that. I, yeah, I was living in Salzburg. Ooh, you brought up a <laughs> you un, you ripped the band-aid off. Um I lived in Salzburg, Austria. 
I was playing, then I stopped and was coaching. I took a small hiatus to Japan as I was thinking about playing there. Came back to Austria because I taught myself German. And uh, I stopped playing around that time because I wanted to see what I could do outside of being an athlete. I'm, I mean, I'm still an athlete. Like, don't get twisted. Yeah, you I mean, you know, a little ball, I, I can still get it done. Yeah. But I wanted to see what I could do professionally in the business sense off the field and in a more decision-making role. And uh, to have this part of my journey now feels pretty good. Yeah, because I think everybody struggles with that feeling of identity when you go from being an athlete, especially people never even make it to the level that you made it. You were a professional athlete. Yeah, I mean, like after college, specifically in the States, after college, or even in Canada, I saw a lot of my friends in Canada go through it too. Like after you play, you're like, what do I do? Because I'm so used to getting up at 6 a.m., doing my morning workouts, going to this part-time job or this short period of classes and then going to practice and then doing film study at night. You're just so used to that regimented lifestyle around sports that you struggle to find your identity after playing ball. Mm -hmm. But you still have this drive and this ambition to find purpose for your life and the community you want to be around. It's not easy. But for all the athletes out there, man, like you definitely have to go through it and grow through it. And it's a good journey if you really embrace it. Yeah. And it's really cool that you've been able to not only navigate th- that, that yeah. transition and those questions of who am I, like these really big oh, existential yeah, yeah, yeah. questions. And you found and created, not even that you found it, you have fucking carved out this <laughs> path for yourself that has allowed you to live and travel in yeah. some of the most beautiful places that Europe has to offer. And yeah. right now you're living in Innisbrook, which is like my my brother's been there. He oh, showed man. me pictures. You're like, dude, the pictures I have on my phone. It's like, dude. That's ridiculous. And you haven't even celebrated your 28th birthday yet? I just turned 28. You just turned 28? just turned 28. Okay. So, and I mean, even with that, like talking about carving it out and getting my way to that point, I definitely didn't do that alone. I have a, a mentor in that sense. Um, his name's Evan Harrington, one of the best football coaches I've ever met. Shout out. And very, very humbled guy in the sense that pride is not even a part of his name. Because he actually started Europe's Elite. And then at one point when we connected, he said, I can't do this as good as it can be. Here, please take care of it. That takes a lot of humility to turn that over. And yeah. I've gotten to take this step in my career. So I, I owe him a lot of respect and at least a handshake and maybe a happy meal when I see him, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and like one of my boys, Sean Shelton, when I was in Salzburg, Austria, we, we joke about this all the time because I moved to Salzburg. And anybody who knows me from Salzburg knows I was not living great. Didn't have a lot of money. I had a roof over my head that was a shelter, but it was not a home. Like, I was just there, and I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Ah, what an experience. It was not <laughs> great. Let's just leave it at that. For those who want to know more about it, we can connect and talk about it. But Are we talking, like, semi-pro for football? Like, what, what, like what was going on in the exp- league? Or no, the like- football experience was one thing. My living situation was, like, it was a shelter. It was not a house. It was not an apartment. It was not a home. Like, I literally slept in a room that leaked with rainwater. There were dead bugs on my bed at night, like daily. I had to sweep them off. Uh. I had to go down through the basement to my shower and I had to use my neighbor's washing machine to wash my clothes. Man. And then I wasn't getting paid for a long period of time. So although this sounds great and what I was going through and all these places I was at, yeah, oh, I was not in a great place. And a buddy of mine, Sean, saw me there and walked up to me and was like, what are you doing here? I didn't hear him then. I was just like, 
yeah, I'm here playing ball and coaching and it's going to work out. He's like, no, what are you doing here? And it comes all the way back to 2021 or the end of 2020. He knew I was doing some good things in Europe still. And there were some great things happening in Innsbruck, Austria. And he's like, hey, man, if you're down, I want you to come work here and live here and put it all together. And here I am now. So, like, I didn't get where I'm at by myself. <laughs> but it's all connected. And I'm really excited about it. It makes me it just god man you don't understand like oh yeah i'm hype i'm hype man like i like i've done a lot of cool things i will take credit for some of the cool things i've I've made happen building a business traveling these places making connections scouting out some players yeah but a lot of these people in between man (laughs) man there's some people that made some move some mountains and there were just some angels or something i don't know what analogy you want to use but like like ah I've been in good space. I'm in a really good space. You earned it. Appreciate you earned that. it. P, uh, we can always take the time to shout out all the people that helped, but at the end of the day, it was still you getting up, following through, being oh, yeah. the person that you were, and continuing to seek growth and seek your path forward. And I just, I, I believe that life rewards those people. You know, Thanks, you, man. you've, you put yourself in a position to get that phone call from yeah. Sean again and be yeah. like, hey man, yeah, I am still holding it down. Yep. I would love to come and work with you. And yeah, what you said about, like that's a great characteristic of a leader, somebody that says, yep. you know what? I'm not great at this. I will outsource this or I will hire right. a, a guy or a girl who is, you know, they yeah. can do this and, right. and help me move forward. And so to see how your story has unfolded, even in just the last several years and right. going back as far as you and Isaiah and I in high school Ooh. watching dude yeah like, like 2008 2009 yeah. 2007 <laughs> back in at Trinity High School on the hill watching some games oh I, man I just I knew it from the moment I saw you guys <laughs> up there I was like he looks like a real ass dude right <laughs> Like, what's up, man? And then yeah, we like every to- Friday night, we, we I yes. would come find the hill, and it's been uh, it's been really cool to watch how you've grown into the man that you are now, and Thanks, like man. to hear you talk about the stuff that you're talking about, yep. and the fact that you've done all this stuff at 28 years old, yeah, and you're like. Yeah, man, it's been like six years since I've dated an American woman. Like, you've oh been man, international man yeah. in history over here yeah. for a while, and it's been just a fun ride. And I can't wait to see where it continues to go, man. Because I know man. it's going to be some pretty dope spots. Thanks, man. And no, you're right. Like, although I've I've given those shout outs, and I'm very humble, and I thank God and praise God for everything I've I have and I've done. Like, I busted my ass. There were countless days where I'm up at six a.m. going to bed at eleven sending emails, taking phone calls, getting content together, collecting data, making sure certain things were in place for us to run camps in different places in the world, not just in my city or my county or my state, but literally going from one country to another and organizing five flights for 15 different people. Like I was busting my butt or I would get up at five, literally my, one of my days would I would get up at 5 a.m. and I'm like praying and meditating and worshiping for an hour just to get through the day. Like legit, like, all right, let me clear my space. Then I'm going to work out for like 15 to 30 minutes. Then I'm starting my day to get everything organized, answering those messages, getting those calls right, getting the content together, collecting this data, make sure I send it off to the right place. That would take me to about noon. And once that happens, I'm probably going into office to coach for a few hours or to help out in there with different scouting work. And then we're going to have practice at the in the evening. And I go back and do it again from 6 to probably 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. 
So although I've been shouting out and I'm very thankful for the gifts they've given me, like it wasn't just luck. Like I, I have been working and some people took notice because of that. Absolutely. So it's, it's like basically I have my position now because someone noticed it. Like, no, nah, this dude's he's up to something. Just like you said, like we connected when we were kids. Like he seems like he's up to something. That guy. <laughs> that guy. That guy right there. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> he seems like he's up to something. And now we were talking earlier about some, some cool stuff that might happen in 2022 for both of us that is just like, wow. Boom. Mind blowing. I'm thinking about that line from Congratulations, Drake. Yep. And he's like, I hope they document who I'm becoming. Oh, man. It's like, so that's what we're doing today. We're celebrating all of your growth in the last several years. Definitely. And um, yeah, just because, you know, I think on I, the way that I've been doing some of these interviews now is much more about people and their stories and their life stories. And we've, I know we've gotten some of that in different parts, you know, when you've connected and when we've we've taped a couple of these now i think this is like a third our third one yeah but um to profile you as a human being not just hey what are you doing over here and stuff is i i think something that i've been looking forward to and i just i want to take it so many different places there's just there's so many different places that i want to go but let's let's wrap up what is the pathway okay. to the NFL and what exactly are you doing? Just so people get a feel for yeah. you, you were playing and then coaching. And so yeah. what, what are you doing right now? So the NFL's International Pathway Program is a program designed for international athletes, non-American born athletes to have a pathway legitimately into an NFL roster, onto an NFL team. So what we we do, we will scout and scour the globe. Our directors are Will Bryce and James Cook. They're based in London and they also give us our orders, all those things, right? Uh, our, the guy above him is Damani Leach. But nonetheless, we scout and scour the globe for athletes who play football and some who don't, who could be an NFL talent. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a very broad statement because someone's like, oh, yeah, if you play college football, you can probably play in the NFL. Not necessarily. The NFL is the best football league in the world. Not everybody is an NFL player. Right, you might have NFL talent. You can run, jump, skip, hop, catch a football, but maybe you're not you're not going to put in the work. Maybe you can't learn the way you need to. Right, mm-hmm. so we will go and scout all these athletes in Germany, or for myself in Germany, Italy, Austria, Norway, Sweden, uh, France, any European country you can think of. I've looked at it for athletes and consider if they should be invited to a combine that we have. Now, this past October, the combine was in London, a part of the NFL London Games. And we had 44 athletes. It was supposed to be 50 uh, from 17 different countries. But COVID, we had to knock down a few of the numbers who came and tried out for the NFL. So they had their full combine mid-season, mind you, or at the, right at the end of their season, mind you, because their football seasons are different. Mm. And they would come and do their 40s, shuttle, broad jump, vert, all these things. We had guys from Nigeria. Mm. We had guys from uh, from Mexico, Brazil, from the UK, Germany, Austria, a number of French athletes all over the world. And we put them in this basket, say, try out. We're going to take the top 15 athletes to a training period that will be in the States for three months. And then they will have another combine closer to March to say, these are the athletes we deem that could be on an NFL roster or allocated to a roster spot. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. And that's what I've been doing for the past four or five months. And you meet a lot of great people. You look at a lot of talent. You learn a lot about different cultures. Especially living over there, like literally, yeah, ich spreche Deutsch. And I just said, yeah, I speak German. 
to all my friends in Austria, Servus, hello, Christy. They'll understand that. I just basically said hello. Um, yeah, I loved how earlier you slipped it in, like, yeah, I taught myself German and just kept on. No, nah, bro. Like, thing. It's just like, God, it was. Oh, I mean, like, like, being out there, like, that's part of being a a chameleon or being a scout is you need to know the lay of the land. You need to know these people, where they come from, what they eat, how they speak, and how you can really connect with somebody. If you can really understand someone's culture and their religion and the background in their country, you can really understand everything about them. Yeah. That's what I've been up to, man. And it's really, really fun. And then you put football in the mix. So <laughs> Yeah, you get to watch ball all day long. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just... I'm, I'm the guy who says... Like, remember how in the movie... You're like, oh yeah, I need to find, I need to know a guy, or like somebody has to know a guy who knows everybody else or who knows all the information. I get to be that guy. <laughs> so like, if someone says, oh, do you know so and so in in Germany? Like, I probably know. Do I know someone? In, I probably know. It's do good. you have? I didn't ask you to prepare any of the stuff, but um, no problem. Off the top of your head, can you think of how many people that have gone successfully from? One of these places that uh, you yeah. guys have helped scout and then assist into. Yeah. You mentioned the person that had, has a workout now. Anybody yeah. that's in the league currently? Yeah, actually. So my position with the Pathway Program started this year. Now, my work as a scout and learning Europe, I've been doing that since 2018, 2019, as I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, good friend, good athlete from Vienna, Austria. His name is Bernhard Sakovic. He's a tight end. He plays for the Arizona Cardinals. So he's part of the Pathway program. Sandro Platzgrumer, he's another Austrian running back who's for the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. Jakob Johnson, he's a fullback from Germany. He's playing for the Patriots. He actually had a huge article written on him by uh, Sports Illustrated last week. Um, uh, I, okay, that actually, that one sounds familiar because I was like, how the hell did Bill Belichick find another yep. one of these fucking guys? He's number 44, he's a fullback, and he's the tool. He's the tool guy that Bill Belichick loves. Dave Abada, yeah. he's at the Washington football team. But no, there's F.A. Abada from the UK. He's at the Bills at the moment, or Carolina. He's been bouncing around between the Bills and Carolina, but there are about 12 to 16 guys already on teams. Samus Reyes is also a ridiculous tight end who's on the Washington football team from Chile. Like These guys are from all over the world. That is so cool. Like no one's, it's not just Germany. It's not just the UK. It's not just Austria. They're all over the world. There's a few guys in Canada. Uh, there's a really good athlete that people should just look up. His name's Taku Lee. He used to be a pilot. Like he was literally flying commercial planes. And now he is a running back, a slot receiver at the Montreal Alouettes in the CFL. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's like, awesome. So that's what, like, it's really cool. You get to know these guys, and it's like, what do you do for a living? Like, oh, I'm a pilot. I'm a banker. I'm in construction. Like, these guys have, like, legit full-time jobs that are careers. They're architects and stuff, and they come play football. Like, what? So once I get into uh, the best shave of my life <laughs> coming up in 2022. Come on. Yeah. Maybe... It can be like the reverse pathway. So I'm not good enough to make it to the NFL, but maybe you could slide me into a team yeah, that needs a slot and gadget guy and I'm chill. I'll bring you over. Yeah, come on over, man. But <laughs> basically, all these guys who are non-American born, we scout them out. We look at the tape. We compare them to what other potential NFL athletes could be. And we give them a, a workout. We give them a tryout. And this is a group of scouts. I'm not the only one in Europe. My region is Europe. 
every other scout has different regions. Uh, my, my my man Keiki is responsible for the Pacific Islands and, and the Asian countries there. Uh, Chris Durham is responsible for international athletes who play college football. And believe it or not, there's about 184 international athletes. So guys who are not from America playing Division One football, like in big time football. Hmm. Uh, Lawrence Metz, he's the starting right guard for Cincinnati. He's from Germany. You're going to see him on the 31st here. So, like, that's not small time, oh, he plays for a D1AA or D3. Like, no, these guys are playing. Sure. There's a lot of them. So, yeah, Chris Durham's part of that one. Kane Doyle's responsible for the U.K. James Cook is responsible for the, the U.K. as well. Who am I leaving out? Wait, James is working for this company too? James Cook? Oh, James Quick, I thought. Ah, no, 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 no. James Cook, different guy. James Quick is Louisville guy. Yeah. And then uh, my guy Maximo is responsible for Mexico and South America. But yeah, there's, we're all over. Well, I think it's cool too. But you're doing something that is helping other people. Like you're elevating other people, yeah. gain visibility. And for anybody that's still kind of like, what is it again? It'd be like huddle, right? There's all yeah. these high school athletes that are trying to get placed in colleges. And if they're yeah. not going to go D1, there has to be something that connects yeah. D2, D3 schools. This is the NFL, and this yep. is a lot of talented people yep. in European countries in your region, yep. right? That are probably good enough to at least get a look, and so you're helping facilitate that. Yeah, in a way, definitely. Like these are a lot of guys, and a lot of guys who grow up outside the states don't even think it's possible, or have not thought it was possible to have a pathway to the NFL, and that's been the question mark for the past five, 10 years. How do I get there if I'm not from the States? And the normal or the traditional route with air quotes would be go to a private high school or a public high school on a exchange year. If you're an international guy, hope you get a college scholarship or someone notices you go to a college system for four years and go that route. It makes it really small. This pathway program has been designed to give everyone a chance from their home country. It's really, really cool. And there's so many leagues out there. Like the work that I actually do with the AFI, there's so many leagues in Europe, in Australia, in Japan. Oh, my gosh. If you don't know about football outside of America, you need to start looking at Japan. It's arguably the largest in the best competition. They have middle school football, high school football, college systems, and then they have the pro league that is ridiculous. Like they're actually very good players and well-paid, very well-paid. So if you want to go coach or all that jazz out there and we're talking american football yeah not that thing you kick with your foot not that <laughs> nonsense we're talking american football and it's huge outside the states a lot of people just don't have time to pay attention to it because we have so much football in the states right yeah. yeah it's something i think we take for granted but then you <laughs> go to the pub yeah you know, like soccer again through the 20th day Duh. in a row and that's what you were describing to me is being in this position of moving back there's a lot that comes with that mentally, yeah. but you're setting yourself up to be in such closer proximity to really where the action is. Like we're talking American yeah. football, you're going to be around all these colleges and universities and yeah. still able to have your have a pulse on what's going over in yeah. Europe. You're going to be spending time here and then going back to Europe. Exactly. So it's 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 going to be cool, but that's like kind of the reason that you're in this transition yes. period is because you're coming back to where the football is. Football's still king here. Football is still king in America, and that's not changing at all. You know, uh, yes, I'll still be in Europe for work when I have to be there, whether it's weeks or months at a time. 
no problem. I know the lay of the land. I know the language. So that's no problem for me at this <laughs> point. I literally can get up, go over to this restaurant, order my food, go to that doctor and tell him what's wrong with me, come back, get some things fixed and keep it moving like a local. Some people were really laughing at me like, oh, where are you from? And I had to tell them. <laughs> but yeah, football still, this is where it happens in the States. Uh, there's places like Texas where football is king. Like there's nothing else. Sure. So I'm really excited just to actually be here, shake hands in person with people rather than being on the phone and emails like Caleb, how are the heck are you in Germany? How are you in Austria? How are you living? There, man, there was some, there were some really weird named cities I was living in, but it's been a good time. <laughs> All right. So that's what you do and that's what you're doing right now. Yeah. Let's transition into some more of the who you are. Sure. So why don't we, let's start here. So what have been some things that you've learned about yourself as an entrepreneur or wow. as a business person in the last couple of years? Wow. Deep question. Cause I was just talking to one of my best friends, Isaiah. And, uh, I think that the entrepreneur experience kind of really made me realize how privileged I've been growing up. Right. And how spoiled I've been as a college student beforehand. Cause Everyone hears the word entrepreneur and it's a fancy word to say, I am a broke businessman when you start. <laughs> I'm just being honest here, man. Like, I've never heard that before. I'm just being is... honest. There's, there's, if you have experienced entrepreneurship and you were blessed to have something to start off with financially, mm-hmm. great for you and great for the people who gave you that support. But many of us didn't have nothing. Right. So for those of us who really have to start building from the ground up with five or actually at one point I had $2 in my wallet. Two. And I'm talking about I'm going to call this person, this person, get some funding and present our business such a great way so we can host this camp in this different country. I have two bucks to my name. (laughs) That hurt. Like I didn't eat for days. There was legit uh, about two months. My normal breakfast would be oatmeal with water and I'd have a Nutella with a knife because I didn't have a fork or a spoon. And I would spread it on the little oats there. And I would just kind of scramble it up. And that's what I would eat for the day until I magically had food. Seriously. Jeez. That was like early, I was like early 2019 when I was in Salzburg. And a lot of people didn't know that part of the story because they just saw the pictures, which shows you that, hey, I can present certain ways or certain images in the way I want you to perceive it. But I was in such a focus that I needed to go through something. I needed to grind through something. I needed to learn something. So I learned a lot of patience. Mm. I learned how to trust and believe in God in in a relationship that I didn't have before. And it's really a part of me. So my Christian faith is really a part of me now. And I learned how to keep going, like just being resilient, keep pushing, keep grinding, keep learning. Like you can never stop learning. If you are constantly in a position where you're saying, I'm going to try to learn this skill, this trait and improve on what I have, you'll always produce something that's better than what you did before. That's what I've learned. Facts. And it's been really, really good. Heck, man, I, I I just speak different than what I did two years ago. I dress different. I walk different. I present myself completely differently. And uh, I also have peace that you can't phase me in a lot of things. Like some of my friends are like, man, you're so nonchalant about things. And I'm like, it's not that. I just know that I shouldn't have to worry. I believe in my faith to this point that I I know I need no worries like this no worries be happy you know Bob Marley but like <laughs> yeah. seriously like there's this old um there's this image I saw one day 
was this triangle and at the top of it or it was a diamond it was it was like at the top of it was like is there a problem and the next thing was can you fix it if your answer was yes at least to don't worry and then go back to the top it's like is there a problem can you fix it if your answer is no it's like all right don't worry because you can't fix it like leave it alone Hmm. just stop and wait until and you have to have some patience and that's as a businessman as an entrepreneur like the, the where Europe's lead is today it's 2021 almost 2022 it was not where it was in 2019 or the years before right those are years not weeks not months that's years and as an entrepreneur that's huddled up living off of just a couple of bucks out of your Dude. wallet you don't have the patience you're like i need this to happen now i need to happen now like there was a legit time where like in 2019 i know for at least 4 to 5 months i was living off 300 bucks for four to five months. So at the end of that, I legit only had about $2. It's not comfortable. Then something happened in that midsummer. Actually, my grandfather passed. He passed that summer. And then something sparked in me. He says, I got to make this shit work now. Like, I have to push harder than I have before. And then I started running different camps in different countries. started learning more and more about different people. I started selling different products, backpack shirts, balls, all this stuff. I started connecting with different companies who wanted to hire me. But that took a lot of time, a lot of time, a lot of networking. Um, but no, nah, I didn't always have it. Like, and anybody who's an entrepreneur, like, if you think you have a great business that's going to start tomorrow, I hope it does for you. I really hope it does. And if, it's, if you do your homework, it can. Most of the time, it just doesn't work that way. It takes time. Two things immediately. One, I love hearing the stories about like the leaky roof situation Duh. because those are the days I call it, so I'm I'm I don't have any water leaking but those are like your mixtape days yeah, right, right before you get days. on I'm currently in the mixtape <laughs> days right and I just I feel so inspired when I hear other aunts because those are the stories that you don't lead off with you don't no. share no. what you're going through no. you don't want anybody else to know I don't really. want anybody to know that no. and, and and so you're just like because people are going to worry and you'd be like I, I'm, I'm, I know what I'm doing I'm right, good but, I'm good so I love hearing those stories thank you for sharing that and secondly do you think that the reason that you kind of snapped into this extreme productivity streak however you want to label it do you think it was kind of like a like a wake-up call like the you were reminded from your grandfather's death of like the mortality of life like hey shit this time isn't guaranteed like yeah. tomorrow could be my day you never know when but like definitely yeah definitely my grandfather and i grandpa billy we were oh so close like extremely close to the point where he's on his deathbed and he calls me in the room saying, hey, take care of my wife, my abuela. She's my Mexican grandmother. They were married since I've been born. So she's not my biological grandmother, but that is my girl. We talk all the time, play Scrabble together. Like his passing really motivated me. That and I had a friend who lived in Austria from college. We were really, really tight. I haven't seen them since I've been there because I had done something that hurt their feelings. We, we aren't friends anymore. We're not as close or whatever. And I just wanted that friendship again, like just to be close again, because it's like, yo, I kind of need some support, like, like help. Like I'm going through it. I'm not telling you everything I'm going through, but I'm going through it. Mm -hmm. And they refuse to, they refuse to be there. And that's no fault on them. That was a choice that they deserve to make. And that kind of pushed me to say, okay, I need to get right. Because obviously I'm not just doing something wrong to myself, but I did something wrong to someone else who was once close to me as a friend, right? And now that I'm in this position to say, 
what am I doing with my life? I need to make this work, right? Mm-hmm. I need to really push and say, here are my skills. Here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm not good at. I'm going to make this really valuable. And since then, I've, I've been on it. And I'm trying to get better and better to this day. But uh, I'm in a pretty good spot for now. Like, I'm I'm better than I was two years ago for sure. Yeah. And I'm definitely more valuable than myself or this business was two years ago for sure. And that feels great. Like, there was a point where we only had a few hundred, not even a few hundred athletes registered on our on our website with these player profiles on Europe's Elite, that is. Now there's a few thousand. <laughs> like, and they're from all over the world. Australia, a few guys are in Asia, a few guys are in uh, Nigeria, Ghana, uh, Egypt, and then the rest are all in Europe. But, like, there was a point where none of that existed. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And we manage all of this. So if someone says, hey, can you find me an athlete? Or do you know about an athlete or a coach or a player in this country? Yeah, I can tell you pretty fast. Not a lot of people can do that in their market. And uh, yeah, that feels good. What do you think you love the most about being the plug? You're, you're connecting <laughs> all these people. Like you're, you're that guy. Hey, I know a guy. You're like, you're the guy that they call, right? Like, what do you think it is about that role is that something that you played with your family or I don't know if it's that or if it was I get excited about the of the fact of just building this up to what it is now building Europe's lead to what it is now and to where I can put myself in a position to take a next step in a bigger career field right yes I'm still an entrepreneur but then for someone in the NFL to notice like hey this guy's done a good job He's done a really good job. Let's put him on our team because he knows this market better than some of us. That meant a lot more for myself than it does to be the plug or the guy who everybody knows. Like, I don't need that fame. I don't need someone to nickname me the ambassador or anything like that. That's not who Caleb is. But if I can help somebody else get where they need to be and I can create a cool product that will help you and benefit you and yours, great. And when I see you in public, we fist bump or we cheer about your accomplishments thanks that's all i need like i don't i don't need anything extra but yeah there's a kid who gets scouted or recruited or someone gains more notoriety from our website awesome mission accomplished i don't need a personal thank you message in caleb leisure's inbox if they shout out europe's elite that's awesome because like all right we did our jobs let's make it better so we can help somebody else and then everything else i've learned from websites like afi and whatnot great let's keep picking each other up so then people like the NFL calls us back. It's like that kid's doing a good job and he knows some other people who probably do a good job too. Yeah. That means more to me. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks man. Like I couldn't say that like two years ago. I couldn't say that in 2018, 19 or 2020. Like I couldn't even express it that way. So I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it's just, when you start talking about it, like it just, it flows so effortlessly. <laughs> even if you don't think it does, it, it really does. <laughs> You're a great guest to have on and um i'm just it's cool man it's it's and it's really cool too when you see people that go down you know i guess we'll stay with entrepreneurship here for a second when (laughs) quote of the fucking year by the way that being an entrepreneur is just being a broke business person there's so much unknown and you really are you're walking by faith yes and not by sight and you're leaning into all these things that you think you have the potential to be or that you probably already are, but maybe you just haven't really taken the time to figure out 
how great you actually have the potential yes. to become in that trait or ability or skill. Yes. And it's cool watching you go from, I don't really know if this is right for me or like this is, but, but I have enough here to make me think it is. And then watching it work out. And by and large, like it has worked out. Like we're, yeah, by we're, and large, yeah. But I want to, let's maybe think about a time where something didn't work out. Like let's talk about like failure or kind of like, having to pick yourself back up yeah. and that feeling that you get when something that you thought was a lock or that you thought was going to happen, but then didn't, but you had to pivot. Can you think of any times where you yeah, had I mean, to do that? I've had to do that several times in 2018. I was actually trying to sell A-frame homes globally. You remember that, right? I remember so on our episode, you yes. were, and, and, and almost I, I wanted to, so I'm glad that we looped this back in because when you were living in Salzburg, that was like around the time, yes. did you get started with the A-frames because yes. you were trying to solve your own problem, right? Yes, because I was trying to solve my own problem because I was living in a shelter that it was not good. I basically felt I was living in like a homeless experience, I'm not in the extreme level, but I did not have a home, just being blunt there, but homelessness does look different, right? And I wanted to solve my own problem. And I thought these were cool, unique buildings. And I was going to make some great commissions to sell them. I actually had some good contracts lined up going into 2019 and into 2020 that would have set me up really nice. <laughs> I mean, extremely nice. I mean, think of it. I was getting 15% a home. And at one point, I had a contract where someone was going to buy 15 of these homes at one time. This is the end of 2019. So I'm like, dude, I'm good. Like, I'm going out to eat tonight. I'm I'm celebrating early. <laughs> the money's already uh, mentally in the bank. I'm account. locked in. <laughs> Bam, COVID hits. That's shut down. Oh my god. 75k a home and I was getting 15%. I had 15 of them. I was going to get 15 of these homes. So I was going to be sitting pretty darn good for a while and that canceled it all. And I say that too cuz in the entrepreneurship, something I learned is that a man without purpose seeks distractions. And that can look very different in multiple ways. Distraction can look at big dollars and money, can seem like a relationship that you think you should be in right now because it feels nice and you're probably hanging out with this person more than you should be versus handling your business. Or a distraction can just be a place of comfort mm-hmm. rather than just going through what you got to go through. And uh, at that point where that got crushed, which I'm sure a lot of people had some similar in 2020 or approaching 2020, I was like, all right. Again, I got to put up or shut up because this just got taken from underneath my legs. How am I going to make this work? Here's this year obsolete thing. I've been doing okay with it. I'm not doing great with it. I can do better. Poof. Let's dive into it. And here I am. That's <laughs> such a great... Cause like, like I, so I never give anybody a list of questions that I'm going to ask. You know, <laughs> it's always just in the moment. But to be able to point specifically to something that yeah. happened recently, like that's yeah. a... So what do you think after going through that? Mm-hmm. We'll keep it with the same question. What did you learn about yourself going through that process? That I got a little bit of dog in me. <laughs> so serious. I'm I'm a pretty nice guy. Uh, a lot of yeah. friends who I have, like I'm the nicer friend, you know, the glass half, half full, not half empty type dude. I'm always trying to make sure people are taken care of with respect and just treated that way, right? But when that happened, and again, I felt like I was kind of, you know, just ass out, didn't have much. So I got to fight. And it's okay to have that that little bit of a dog sense, even in business. I would take business calls differently. I wasn't asking for your help anymore. 
I was more saying, this is what I'm worth. This is what I can do for you. What would you like to do? If it doesn't fit, no problem. I'll hang up the phone today. And I wasn't doing that disrespectfully, but I knew my worth and my value. And it kind of made me change the way I communicate with people. And I'm still learning how to communicate with different people groups, right? Yes, I, I can speak a few languages, but once you start to step up professionally, there's a certain way you have to address a room because they may see you a different way. So you have to say things a certain way so you get your message across effectively. And it might not be the way you want to say it, mm-hmm. but you got to say it effectively so you can continue to progress in your career, in your profession. That's something I definitely learned. I got a little dog and I learned how to communicate differently so I can get where I need to be. If you touched on something that I've, if you're comfortable going here, can we talk about entrepreneurship through the lens of being black? Because something you just Ooh. said about the perception yes. and how I'm seen, yes. right? So how you are being seen and perceived is differently than say if we were selling the exact same thing, but you yes. and I walked in, we would be we would just be perceived differently, right? 100%. So, can you talk about what some of that journey has been like being black, being in some of these rooms, and Man. being an entrepreneur and being in business? Yeah, uh, so I have a self-employed visa. I had a self-employed visa in Austria, living there, meaning I'm an entrepreneur or just self-employed, whatever. And for the longest, when I was in college, I dated a girl from Austria, and she wanted me to move there. And my ignorance there, I was really afraid of like, I can't move. It won't be comfortable. Um, they'll be racist, all these things, because I've experienced it in Kentucky. And I was just relating what I experienced in Kentucky to a place I hadn't even gone to. Was I completely incorrect and wrong? No. When I got there, there were a lot of uncomfortable places because I couldn't speak the language like a local. So automatically I was, oh, you're a foreigner. You're an Auslander is what foreigner mm-hmm. means in German. And a lot of the Auslanders or foreigners there in Austria specifically do come from a rougher situation and tend to come illegally. Now, I was coming to work and to work on a business that is registered and to actually make that area better at what they're doing with your sleep and sports and all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I started to prove I could speak the language where I would get certain respect. And then it wasn't until I could speak the language like a local that I would get more respect but still the fact that I'm black and an American have so many, so many prejudices and, and, ju- and like prejudgment before I even open my mouth that it's very, very hard to do business in certain countries. Mm-hmm. But doing it there in Austria and not running from it once I finally got there, it gave me the courage and the confidence to say, if I can do it here, I can do it anywhere. I forget the name of this little, it's this little, little city, uh, Ubertrum. This little dwarf, this little village <laughs> right outside. It's Uber's room in Sekirchen. I was right outside of uh, Salzburg where I spent a lot of my time. And there was, man, there's nobody that looks like me out there. There's no one who's speaking English or any of that stuff. And here I am trying to run this business and hang out and all this stuff and live next to the city. And it was very uncomfortable. It wasn't nice. But I was like, man, if I can figure it out here and be in this isolated state for however long I got to be in, I'll be fine wherever I go. And it's proven to be true. I think it speaks also to the tool and the power that it really is to be able to find a way to connect with somebody despite the differences that exist in the spirit of business. Yes. And there's, there's something to be said about you might not 
build a business with somebody that you know probably doesn't like you or right. probably would like vote against your best interests right. or was a fucking racist, right? Oh, yeah, whatever. But then there's also this part of it where it's just like, hey, you know what? Republicans buy sneakers too. Their money yeah. spends just the same. I Money's gotta, green. I got to get this deal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm, but I, I can imagine that's a tough thing to deal with. Yeah. I mean, one of my closest friends, I have two close friends in Salzburg now. One is Croatian. His name is Mano Jovic. And the other one's name is Carlos. And he is from Venezuela. So both of them have their own immigrant situations where their families moved to this area. So they kind of got it when they learned what I was going through. And it's like, dude, we get it. You're not from here. These people won't trust you. Let me enlighten you on some things on these people. It wasn't necessarily about being black because their skin's not black, but it was more about let me enlighten you on these people. And then they were like, well, teach me what you see as a black man in this country mm-hmm. and let's work together. And so we can learn how you have to navigate through this area. And it helped me a lot. Neither of them are in the business field that I'm in. One is a, uh, a tech guy. Mono's a tech guy. And, and Mono, no, Mono's a tech guy. And Carlos is, works in restaurants. His family owns three or four restaurants in the city. Mm-hmm. So neither of them are in football in the same light that I am. But just their friendship and their their mentorship and what they could teach me at those times as I'm living in this little city of Salzburg and this uncomfortable, but like, dude, was not comfortable. I just want to be very <laughs> clear. Salzburg is a very pretty place, but I was not comfortable living there at all. But it helped mold me professionally in a way that I probably couldn't have done in a comfortable place like back here in Kentucky when I was at home. Or when I was in Toronto, and I love Toronto, Canada, love it, best city in the world. But I was too comfortable, so I had to go. Yeah. And you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable so you can grow. That doesn't mean you got to stay uncomfortable for your entire life. No, there should be a point where you <laughs> bust your butt and you can be comfortable. But even when you get comfortable, you got to keep working. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because I wasn't even thinking about it in terms of being an immigrant or being seen as somebody that's not from the area, which is something that either of us would deal with as an American or an expatriate being across the pond. But then there's also that more immediate one. So they, and and they're like, dude, who's the only black person that I know that speaks German? Django and Django. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. So, but, so, but, and it's something that I've touched on with, other guests is that when you know it like one of one of the many privileges of being white is that you're just assumed that like you're one of them you could not even speak but be european and white and probably get the benefit of the doubt that oh he's probably from the next village over or something right but when you're black or when you're not white or you know whatever race you are and your skin color is a different then it's like you're your differences are more immediately noticed or picked up on. Yes. So you're fighting, I'm an outsider, I don't speak the language yet. And I don't look like you. Right. Or your family, or your cousin, or like any of that. Like a good buddy of mine, Sean, as I mentioned before, we had that talk that as I was going through my visa process, I would get a lot of flack and kickback. Basically at the end of it, it felt like because I was black. There were so many questions of like, oh, what are you doing here? How much money do you make? Why do you make this much money? Who do you send your money to? And like, why are you asking me this extra stuff? When I've come into your office, I speak your language. I've shown I have income, a place to stay. I pay for my insurance. All this stuff, like all the paperwork was knocked off. Mm-hmm. All these extra questions. Like, why are you asking me this? 
Leave me alone. Like I'm trying to do it by the book. And we've literally watched others who do not look like me and would have white skin, might be American, Canadian, or just another European from a different country mm-hmm. who was white, and they would get it a much easier time. And sometimes they didn't even speak German. And I was like, bro, <laughs> my behind took months to learn this language I could talk to you, and you won't even give me that respect. So it's still there. You still face challenges no matter where you are. Uh, I had a buddy in Canada, Lamar, uh, Lamar Foyle, like we always joke, he's like, no matter where you go in this world, you're black. No matter where you go. That's still true for a white person, too. No matter where you go, you're white. But you can blend in a little differently, right? Sure. Like for those of us who have this sun-kissed skin that's darker, unless you are on the continent of Africa, you stick out. That's just a part of our reality. You know, some of us South America, but like still they got more like a little brown. It's not necessarily black all the time. People of color would be a great place to just just combine everybody that deals with that. A little bit. Because it's still a little different, too, because like you go to the Asian countries, and that color looks different than my color. Sure. No matter what. And not saying that they don't go through discrimination, because they do. The Asians, Americans in this country go through some serious, ridiculous, stupid discrimination. So do the Hispanic Americans. Like, they all go through stupid stuff in America. Yeah. It's not acceptable. And they go through it in Europe, too. And it's like, why are we still doing this? So as an entrepreneur, you face a lot of it. it makes zero sense. But it just kind of pushes you to like, I have to prove myself even more with what I can do with my mind and my skills. At the end of the day, it's going to shut you up like, wow, I was wrong. Like, yeah, you were wrong. So stop putting this prejudgment on people who look like me. Stop thinking that I can't speak or perform a task or get the job done just because my hair is cut a certain way. I have a certain look or like, you know, like I look professional. Right. I speak professional. Very professional. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not. Which which probably throws some of the. Because if if you're an ignorant European person. Right. Ignorant in the sense that you just haven't spent that much time around black people. And so your perception of black people is what you've either seen portrayed in the media or through like songs and stuff. You get somebody who speaks very professionally like you. And I'm I'm sure you probably heard this and like not my words, but like. You speak white, right? Oh, I definitely heard quotes it. around that. Definitely so, heard it. And then you speak to somebody, and they're like, "Wait, why is Caleb like yeah. speaking? Why is he a better speaker than me? Like, right. I was about the judges fucking right. put him in this box, and right, right, right. now I'm getting like self conscious a little bit. Yeah. Whoa, what's like? I'm I'm sure you're just like a mind blower. Over oh, there. definitely. And I mean, my experiences of living around the world has encouraged me to think of the world in a world sense, not just in my local community sense until I have to. Mm-hmm. And it's if with that as a businessman, it's like I have to be professional at all times. I love the fact that I get to come home and I can let my accent out sometimes or whatnot and just say y'all and, <laughs> you know, eat certain foods. But when I'm abroad, I'm trying to be the most professional representation of a black American that anyone meets. And if that means I have to speak Spanish or French or German or anything else that day, I'm going to do it. So you have a great perception of what people like me can do and are doing in the world. And I take that with pride. Like, all right, you've never met anybody like me. I'm going to be the best version you ever met. Because <laughs> I definitely don't want you to have a bad taste in your mouth. Everybody else you meet after me is going to be a letdown. Because I'm telling you, I'm the man. <laughs> I'm, trying, right I'm trying to make sure the standards are very high. So you're like, all right, those are great people. Now, if you meet some bad ones, dang it. But it really is. I mean, so for anybody that doesn't 
you know, again, like that's the, like it's a privilege, right? And yeah. so it's it's something that if you've never stopped to think about it, and sometimes I get people who listen to the show that they've they've just never stopped to think about right. that, you know, and you can feel the weight of not just being an American, like but but like you're talking about the representation part of it. Oh yeah, it can feel like every single exchange. Yes you are representing something that is so much bigger than just yourself or your family or even the country that you're from. Like, because anytime it just, it's just the way that the world works is Mm -hmm. that somebody might just catch you on a bad day and then make a snap judgment on you based on what you represent to them and, and, and how you look. And then, so it's like, how do you deal with that pressure of the representation, like the burden that comes with representation? Also like, the power and the privilege that, yeah, that you get, like, which definitely. is like, yeah, the mindset that you've got with it. But like, do you, does that juxtaposition fuck with you at all? No, I mean, like, like you said there, it's not a burden. It's more of a power and privilege. And uh, I'd like to say that I think you're taught how to deal with it when you come out the womb, when you're really little, specifically for black Americans. This is a thing that you're taught of, like, you have to walk like this, talk like this act like this in public and around certain people so you can be perceived as professional to advance in your career field, in your academic field, to get where you would desire to be in life. That does not mean you can't do certain things with your friends, but you cannot do them publicly or in a damaging way. So like if me and my friends like to listen to certain music and dance in a certain way that says in vulgar language, I'm not going to go out there and do that crazily and put that all over social media. That's No, that's not the best light to do that. You cannot do that. It's not advised at all. But sports also taught us that, right? Playing football. What was the old saying? You play for the name on the front, but also the one on your back because you're representing your, your family. Mm-hmm. But when you're black, you're representing this skin as well because, like you said, there's so many people who have not met you, who have not seen you, who have not got to experience your culture, who have not got to touch your hair, who have not got to eat your food or understand the like why you say certain things in, like in, in an endearing way. Like, so many people won't understand that. So you have to be a great representation at all times. And it's a privilege. It's a power because it's like, great. I get to introduce you to me and not just Caleb, but I get to introduce you to my culture and my people. And I want to make sure you get the greatest experience in the world. And if you got some crazy questions, I'm going to listen <laughs> with understanding. Like, don't say nothing foolish Yeah. until we have a relationship. Like a buddy of mine, we're so, uh, so tight. My, we sat down. We had a true conversation about the N-word. He's like, I have a serious question about this, and I never learned this. Now, mind you, we met in Europe. He's from the States, white guy from the States. And he said, Caleb, why can you or black people say the N-word and I can't? I was like, what? why are you asking me that? You're from where I'm from, like literally like 200 miles away. Like, you should know. He's like, man, I kind of do, but I've never got to ask. So I really don't know. It's like, Wow. That was like, okay, now we're all the way in Europe having this conversation. He's in his 30s, almost 40s. Mm. It's like, whoa. That was really eye-opening. Because now it was like, you really haven't learned so many things about my culture. Let's have this moment so we can learn from each other. It's pretty cool. I was getting emotional there for a minute when you were talking. My eyes were watering up because I started to think about like when you were saying you know, people, they don't know. They don't know. Yeah. And I was thinking, they don't know why the cage bird sinks. Oh, man. Like, Ooh. that's where my mind oh, wow. was going was just, they, they just they just don't get it. And um, 
one of my previous guests that I've had on the show, my buddy Shane Fowler, we had a really great conversation. And uh, what we were discussing, one of the things that we were discussing was this notion of like your friend mm-hmm. or this person that came to you with this discussion, right? And yeah, you <laughs> listen, you can't say whatever you're going to say. Just be like, oh, no, no. But it's like, you, so there's like a, a way to ask these questions. There's a way to learn. I think if you have the intention of really just trying to understand it, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's an, an important thing. And so it sounds like this person was really coming to you just being oh, like, yeah. hey, I, I really just want to understand that. But what Shane was describing to me was, you know, it's not always my job to educate everybody just because I'm the one black person that they right. know. So then, like, they're valid questions. They're conversations that are happening more often that need to be had. There's no, and there there are no excuses for yeah. being 40 years old and then being like, you know, hey, this is the first time I've really ever thought about this. But you also have to take it upon yourself and, and just realize that. Black people are tired. They're tired of having these conversations to to be this person that like is now their responsibility to educate somebody else when go read, you know, go watch some documentaries, Definitely. like take it upon yourself to educate. So I don't know if you get worn out with that or no, I mean, like, with that at I all. Definitely- can agree in one sense and I disagree in another. Like I do agree that there's a time where, no, I don't feel like being the, the teacher like for this 24 hours, but at the same time, I'm the only person you're going to meet or I might be the only person you're going to meet or have a true relationship with where you can ask some questions. So I'm going to take this privileged moment to educate you in the best way that I think you can be educated. Then I'll suggest some books and some movies and documentaries. But if we can have a conversation, that's the best way you can really learn. Like, I'm not going to learn how to shoot a gun from somebody who's never shot a gun. <laughs> like, I'm just not. Yeah. I'm never going to learn from someone about that experience of what it's like to be shot at if they've never been shot at. If they've never been accused of something, if they've never been chased. I'm not going to learn from anybody unless that's had happened to them so I can really hear them. Now, you have to understand people and trust them to be who who they are. So when they are speaking, you receive that message in that light. Like, okay, well, this person's coming from this background. They've experienced this. So, like, maybe they're saying certain things with emotion, not just on, like, facts and, like, true, just un, unscrewed or unconstricted judgment. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is what it is. This is what I've experienced. Let's talk about it. When you have that opportunity, learn. So, like... Yes, at the end of the day, it might be tiring. But as a person of color, as a black American, you don't have, like, you you can't be tired. Just That's just where we are. Yeah. You're not allowed to be tired. I remember I went and gave a speech after the Black Lives Matter thing in, in Salzburg, Austria. And I don't even remember half the things I said because I was so emotional that day. I'm on top of a van yelling at all these, <laughs> yelling at all these Austrian people, which was such an enlightening moment because, like, in Salzburg, Hitler himself used to live in that area and give speeches in that area so then like somebody said that after my speech and i was like bro what whoa all right like i'm ready to go home now <laughs> i don't need to be here but it was pretty my, my my life is complete now yeah i'm like we just did what uh, me and my boy chris denton and uh chris from new york and uh some others there we gave a great speech a part of a black lives Matter rally in salzburg and it was really it's really big. It's like seven thousand, eight thousand people. Damn, uh, speechless. So here I am, this little businessman hustling around through Europe and whatnot, and then poof, something happens in America with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and the world is on fire because we're tired of people not listening. 
and somebody in Austria says, hey, can you come and speak? Because we don't understand. So, no, you don't have a chance, an opportunity to be tired, even when you're hurt and angry. You have to use that privileged moment to educate somebody and give them a positive reputation of who you are and what you can do in this world. So they never have a negative thought about you and your people again. Well, it sucks, too, because you don't ask to be put in that position. No. But you're put in a position that how you handle that situation or conversation could potentially make or break how they continue to feel or how they feel after that about an entire race of people. Yes. I think that, like, obviously, I'm a white guy, right? So when I am able to speak to somebody about something that I represent, I always cherish those moments because to me as somebody that loves being that like glue guy and the facilitator just yeah. like you i'm like dude this is awesome i have an opportunity to make this person to like educate this person but really make them feel connected so that the next time that they run into an american if i'm abroad or somebody that's thinking about going into journalism or just any, any of the boxes that i check yeah it's like oh well I remember meeting this one guy and he was great. So now I'm maybe willing to give somebody another chance or like not judge somebody based on what I, you know, the the preconceived notions that we all carry around. A hundred percent, man. And I will say it looks different all around the world. That's something that's very enlightening racism and, and prejudice things. And just the box that black people are put in are different all around the world. And that was very enlightening for me. They took me, I just went to Canada, to Toronto, Canada. It's a very diverse place. Toronto is different from the rest of Canada. I will say that. The six. It's a huge place, but it's <laughs> awesome. But it was the first time I went to a city, and I remember I was getting ready for a banquet, and then I had another huge business meeting at a big bank downtown, networking event, and I didn't have a haircut. I felt like my hair was really nappy and long, and I needed to cut it, and like I looked ridiculous. And someone who was white came to me and was like, no, that's your culture. That's just, it's fine. Like, you're good. Like, just brush it a little bit, and like, you look good. And I was looking at this lady like, huh? I never had that said to me before, ever. In my entire mindset, her name is Mary Beth, shout out to MB, she's awesome. She said that to me in my entire mindset about being black switched. Because it's like, wait, you don't think of me like this? Because I've been taught that you think of me as this wild, untamed child when my hair looks a certain way, based on my experience of growing up in Kentucky. And I'm just like, wow, that was very enlightening. I was 23 two at the time so i'm like bro what and then i go to europe and it was similar in the sense of like yes that's your culture but it was more of like that's your culture i don't know how i feel about this that looks so other than what is already here in america it's just different completely different because you're dealing with more of when you're in europe you know toronto is like it's right across the pond from new york right so it's like but you're fighting more of that American outsider thing being over in Europe. But to hear that it's okay to be you and look the way that yes. you do, what a liberating moment. What a liberating moment because you don't have that as much. Remember when we were in high school, and this was 2012, 20, 2012 to, well, yeah, we graduated from 2012, 2011. So 2009 to 2012. I remember there were kids being put out of private school because they had dreads. Like they were forcing kids to cut their hair from different Catholic schools all around the country. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And I'm like, bro, what? I got to cut my hair just to be in your school? 
that makes no sense. Like my hair grows this way. This is me trying to keep it tamed or neater. This I'm going to style. It's my style. I'm going to twist it up versus somebody else's hair that would get a little longer and they just put it in a ponytail and everything was cool. And I'm like, what, bro? Like, no. So to have that liberating moment in different countries really opened my mind up to what the world really looks like as a black entrepreneur, black businessman, as a black athlete outside of the U.S. And it's helped me to grow and mold completely differently than so many other people. And I mean, you've heard it about so many artists and musicians and actors and actresses who've traveled abroad and they loved being black abroad. James Baldwin, one of the most famous writers. I think he was in France or Portugal for years. And he wanted to stay because he got to be black and not something that was derogatory in the United States. Really enlightening. And he's American. Or the black Americans who went to Vietnam. I mean, these are older, you know, these are older examples, but sure. they went to Vietnam, they came back and they still treat like crap. Right. Or then you speed it all the way up to you know, 2019, 2020, George Floyd and the police officers there. It's like, so he fit a description and you had a prejudgment and you acted on emotion based off what you had been taught or learned and what images have been developed in your mind to make you use such excessive force on a person that looks like him in that action that doesn't happen everywhere else. Matter of fact, in Germany, they have to ask to speak to you. The police officers actually have to walk up to you and say, hey, can I talk to you? And I can walk away and say, no. I can walk away. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Like I was in Austria and I'm walking one day. This is during a 2020 lockdown and the police officers are driving and they pull up in front of me at the park. And I'm like, man, I'm about to get arrested. Oh my gosh. Cause at that time you weren't supposed to leave your house unless you were going to the grocery store. So I'm like, crap, this is bad. This is really, really bad. And they get out the car. I'm stopping and pulling out my phone. Like, oh man. Hey sir, how you doing? And they walk right past me. I was like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> oh, I was laughing. And I called my mom like immediately. Like, mom, mom, you won't believe what happened. The police just stopped. She's like, what, are you okay? I was like, yeah, yeah. They walked past me. She's like, what? I was like, they walked past me. And I'm taking a picture with, <laughs> I was taking a picture with the car, like in the background and whatnot. I was like, are you serious? Like, yeah. They just kept it moving. What were they doing? Um, at that time, they were patrolling the park for large groups of people who might be hanging out and shouldn't have been there because it, as I said, it's the 2020 uh, first lockdown. Mm -hmm. So not too many people were supposed to be out or in small groups. They just kept it moving. Just kept it moving. I wanted to ask about your experience living in America and living in Europe, like yeah. versus Europe, because to hear about that experience, I mean, Describe what is going through your mind when you see any cop car coming up and then how different it was yeah. that they just didn't even say shit. They just, and you, what, what were you thinking in your mind how that was going to go down? To this day, I'm 28, to this day if I hear sirens or the, I see the lights, I have a flinch as if maybe I did something wrong or maybe some of my group did something wrong or they're just coming to ask us questions. And it might not even be anything about me. I could be driving on the other side of the road. I still flinch. Right. And I still like, ah, oh, man, what's going on? And I'm a good law abiding citizen. I'm not into any mess. I have no reason to flinch. I have no reason to run. I have no nothing to hide. It's just the fact that in certain areas of the world, it's uncomfortable because there are certain accusations placed on people that look like us. And it's just like, bro, this is not about to be comfortable. Like we could be out walking the street, me and a group of friends and just be loud, joking, just loud. 
and an officer go, Rabbi, hey, what are y'all up to? I'm like, we laughing. <laughs> we just telling a joke about last right. night, right. right? That doesn't happen in Europe anywhere. It has not happened to me. It hasn't happened to any friends. None of that. It has happened to some friends who come from different countries, such as um, Iraq, Iran, some of our uh, refugee communities who are literally fleeing their country, seeking a better life. And the officers there are very rude to them as well. Mm-hmm. So they, that's why I was mentioning they have this like this mentality towards foreigners that is just different. I don't ha- deal with racism in the same light there. It's much more comfortable. It's not aggressive in any way. It's definitely not aggressive, but you still experience it in the business world. You still experience it in the political world and the way you speak and how you present yourself and all those things that I mentioned before. It's very, very different, but the comfort and the stress level is lower <laughs> outside of the United States. I'll tell you that it's <laughs> much lower. And in some countries, people treat you like you are the exotic jewel in the room. It's like, oh, I've never seen anything like you. Like, I've never seen you either, man. But <laughs> Or ma'am, like, I've never seen you either, but nice to meet you. Yeah. Take my hand back now. You know, like, it's it's been good. The healthcare system over there is amazing. Like, a lot of my friends yeah. are like, why are you moving back? Or why have you even thought about moving back? I was like, I just, I just want to go home for a bit. But healthcare education system over there at the youth level is better than that of America. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. But for sports, America's the place to be. There's just a lot of opportunity. Like, I like the fact that in Switzerland there are four national languages. There's Italian, French, German, and English. Hey. And if depending on what city you're in, you use all four. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And you meet a five-year-old who's speaking all of them. I'm like, man, that's so cool to me. Like, you don't do that in America. We speak English. And depending on how south you go, you might speak some Spanish. Might. Right. <laughs> like, I like that kind of diversity. But then it lacks certain diversity in the way that people look. So depending on where you are, it is different in Europe, right? But overall, it's very peaceful. I like the fact that the guns aren't there. I am someone who I've gone shooting with friends and gone shooting clay pigeons and stuff. It's fun. It's a great time when you go out in the field and you do some do stuff and you shoot the cans. It's a good time. Shoot some shit. Shoot shoot some shit. It's a good time. (laughs) I'm a country boy at the end of the day. But at the same time, like, it's safer in these communities because these weapons aren't even there. Like, that's pretty unique or when hard times happen like you can go to the government and say hey i don't have a house i don't have a job anymore because something bad happened the government will set you up with an apartment give you 600 euros and you got to keep it for like four months or so until you get back on your feet so you see people's stress level is just different now they do have a lower level of entrepreneurship because of that because they're in such a comfortable environment because you don't have to press you don't have to fight like everything's paid for so that people aren't pushing and, and trying to like grind in certain ways. That's a true fact. You can see it in the way that people live. It's like, oh, I'm good. I'm okay. I have I have everything I need. I make sixteen hundred bucks a month and everything's after everything's paid for and I can go to Rome for the weekend or I can go to to Senegal or South Africa or Japan for the weekend. And people do it. Yeah. Lifestyle's completely different. Completely different. So I don't know if you know this or not. I spent like a, yeah, a, a month in Dublin and I, I did yep. go through Slovenia and yep. spent 10 weeks total. Mm-hmm. And so I think anybody that hasn't really spent that time over there, they don't really understand that when you travel to states in in the United States, over there, you're doing the same thing, but it's different countries, it's different right. cultures. And yeah. it's, it's all right there where if we wanted to go to, like, that's why 
America is so unique and, and diverse in many ways because you've got Florida and you've got Texas and California. And, yeah. But then, you know, you are suddenly in this other place where it's not just the South. It's not just the Midwest. It is a different language, different yep. culture, different yep. different skin tones, different everything. Everything's different. Yeah. Everything. Food, clothes, things that are on sale, the people, the way that life is approached is completely different. In Austria on Sundays, everything is closed. Things the same in Germany, but it's not like that in Spain or Italy. Um, so certain countries have that. Do that. That's very interesting. They have that due to their Catholic background. Mm. Now, if you go and ask people if they are Christians or people of faith, they will immediately say no. That's very interesting. It's like so, the whole country follows this based on its Catholic background and beliefs, and it has a number of different holidays to respect the church, but they are not people of faith or religious people in any way i'm like wow that's really interesting versus america where we're very patriotic we are very open about our faith and our religion mm-hmm. but yet sundays we go to church and we still go play football basketball go to some people are actually working sure very interesting right so just different life have you thought about what it's going to be like coming back to america because you've god oh, man you've been I've been gone. You've been gone. You've been, and there's a lot of shit that's gone down. A lot, bro. I, uh, you know, when I came back from California, it was like mid 2018, and the election was coming up. And living in California, I thought, dude, everybody. I lived in a bubble. You know, the Bay Area is a bubble, and no one ever thought that Trump was gonna win. No. And you lived through that election you lived through donald trump's presidency and being an american uh, out of american soil oh, you, man. we talked about the protests i mean what was your thoughts coming back to the states when you're thinking man what's changed what's going to be the same old shit a lot of those things ran through my mind but at the same time i didn't I didn't account for it in the sense that it's going to slow m- my decision down to even desire to want to be back because I'm still American at the end of the day. Good. It's still my people at the end of the day. And I think this is part of being American that we will say what we want and complain about how bad America is and what needs to change. But a, a true American will say, all right, let's pick our boots up and let's fix it. If we see there's a lot of poverty in the community, all right, let's go build them some homeless, homeless shelters. Let's make sure there's there's pe- these people have clothes. There's tornadoes that just ran through western and southern Kentucky, and that was terrible for those people in Bowling Green, Mayfield, Paducah, uh, all the way through Nashville, and some some people, that's Nashville, Tennessee, and some people down there in um, Arkansas as well. Yeah. Terrible, miserable. But one thing that I know about people in Kentucky and all southerners specifically, when something like that happens, even if we don't have money, we'll find a way to make sure others have something. If I know I have two jackets, you're automatically going to have one. If mm. I know I only have two loaves of bread, I can either give you half of one loaf or I'll give you that full loaf. Because that's the culture here, that we're going to make sure others can have something. Right. Right. Maybe the government doesn't take care of each other the way that other governments do in Europe or in the social system, whatever. But the people here, even in our ugly times, find a way to stick together. The George Floyd thing happened. It's very ugly. The country was divided. But even in people's anger, people were trying to help heal another people group. You know what I'm saying? Even when all the looting was going down, there were other people who were American coming back and saying, let's help clean this crap up. 
and get these knuckleheads stop stop looting. The looting part is something completely different. Like I'm I'm all down for the riot and the the marching and hearing the voice and say, hey, I'm angry and saying I'm not gonna let you do this to me and my people anymore. Now breaking into like a Gucci store on First Avenue is like, come on, bro, like. What, what like what's that what does that got to do with this like yeah just because you want to get that come up like whatever that's completely different from the movement that's not blm to go in there and tear up some stores really not as people that want to live out their purge yeah fantasies there's people just, living out some purge fantasies and yeah. taking advantage of a situation and painting a bad picture on others that's not what was going down so that part about being american where we're saying we got a problem but we're going to sit down and figure out how we can fix it as a people group whether our differences come out or not, I still love you as a brother and we're going to get this better. I'm like, yeah, I'm American. That part I love about being American. It'll never change. Yeah. And I'm, I'd rather be a part of it than just to sit out and be like, eh, let them figure it out. Like, nah, man, like we got to go clean up the street. Let's go clean up. <laughs> you know, now when I got to go to Europe for work, I will take my vacation and work over there, you know, yeah. but I'm glad to be on this side of the world. Let this please serve as how to be as a leader for anybody <laughs> listening. Seriously, like that, that is always the most encouraging thing to me when I see a leader who's somebody that's like a servant and somebody that's like, hey, we've got a problem. I'm going to roll my sleeves up. I'm right here in the trenches with you guys and girls and we're going to fix this and figure right. it out. Definitely. Like if you don't like how education is going, go be an educator. If you don't like how the police force is being police, find a way to be involved in the community, get into the police academy, and then go be a cop in that community because we need other people that, that creates diversity in that community and we can all love each other and be in this space together. But if it's not just, oh, I don't like it, I'm going to sit on my front porch and pout about it and hold a gun and a beer in my hand and tell, tell everybody stay away from me and mine. That's not how, no. Like, no. Get involved. Communicate. Learn how to communicate. And then grow together. That's when great cities and great counties, great states, great businesses, great teams really thrive. Every time. It's been proven fact. Yeah. Year in, year out. It's just you gotta learn to communicate. And that part, man, we we're getting better as Americans. I think we're getting a lot better. I think twenty twenty showed us how to get better and everybody's taking it upon themselves to learn in their own way. That part excites me. It says, Okay, what are we doing next? That's cool to me. And to loop it all the way back, don't talk about it, be about it. Yeah. That's it. That's it, man. Thanks for having me on. This was, uh, this was awesome. I ain't gonna lie. There's a lot of people who I wanted to show love to. I don't even know if I included everybody. Yeah, is there anything else that you want to hit? I mean, is there anything? So I usually, I've started asking people this question too. What's the one question that you wish somebody would ask you in an interview? I know. I should... That's one I probably should send to somebody. No, that's cool. Actually, um, one question that that came to mind immediately just comes back to my faith and what it's taught me over the past years. Uh, my faith in Christianity and Jesus Christ and the relationship and learning how to communicate with Jesus. Then listen. Like a lot of us <laughs> will go pray like, God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I need that. God, I don't want that. You got to learn how to listen. And when you really learn how to listen and receive the communication Ooh, man, you gonna fly? I'm serious, you gonna fly? But yeah, that's that's one thing. How, you you touched on this that uh, you feel that your relationship with God has strengthened in these last couple years. What do you think has led to that? When you realize you don't have anything, 
Like if you get in a situation where it's really just you and God because your business plans, your goals, your sports plans and goals, your relationship with that girl or the guy, whatever didn't work, and it's just you, you got no one else you can turn to but God. And you can't even just talk because all you're talking isn't getting you anywhere. You have to be in an uncomfortable situation that says, God, I need you to talk to me. And you start to listen and actually take action on what you have heard and received from God above. It'll make that restri- that relationship strengthen and strengthen and strengthen. And you progress in different ways, professionally, financially, emotionally, academically, in every aspect of your life. If you let it, but you got to listen. Yeah. How do you think you've gotten better at listening to that communication? Because sometimes you yeah. ask for you ask for one thing, and you might receive it. It just might not be the way that you asked for it, right? right. So the way you ask for it, or the time, right? That's a big one. Sure. Um, but it takes practice. Like for myself, I literally have to spend fifteen minutes to an hour every day in the mornings. Hence why I'm up at five. And I'm praying like, hey, God, talk to me, man. Like, this is what's going on with me, but talk to me. And my message comes differently than the way someone else might receive a message. It might come through music. It might come through a podcast. It might come through something I read. It might come through someone calling me up out the blue or someone who I talk to on the regular. Uh, At one point, I would when I was transferring from the Florida Tech, I was trying to figure out where I'm going in the world. And I kept praying to God, show me a sign, show me a sign. And for literally three months straight, daily. I would see a physical sign, bumper sticker, T-shirt, billboard about Toronto, Canada. (laughs) No joke. My brother William (laughs) could attest to it. I saw it every day. And poof, I took off. And it was one of the best decisions I made. So, yeah. Communicate, listen, then act on it. We have just absolutely killed it today. Yeah, man, I I love these conversations. I love going deep on some of this stuff, and there's so much that uh, I'm still trying to understand. And it's always great when I can get somebody who you know, like yourself, who's willing to be like, yeah, we can we can talk about this stuff. And Definitely. Yeah, man. I just I'm, I'm I'm proud of you. Thanks, man. Proud of you too. I love you. Love you too, man. And I'm very happy to see what is next in the story because it's far from over. Yeah. I'm Real only fun. getting cold. Ah, this is Drake, I'm God. only getting old. As somebody should have told you, I'm on. And you're 28 years old, so yeah. it's like in uh, zero to 100, he was like, "I'm only 27, and I'm only getting better." You yep. know, so it's it's exciting to see and think about where your path is headed. And yeah. um, Stay I'm, tuned. I'm, yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad to know you, man. Feelings mutual. Stay tuned. There's a lot of cool things coming up. Um, this is great. This is great. Just to wrap it up, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb Leach, thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode half as much as we enjoyed playing it for you because we had a ball. Shout out to my guy, Caleb Leach. Shout out to the Leach family. Shout out to everything that we touched on in this episode. Really, really great stuff. What a way to open up the year. And man, next episode is my 100th episode. I can't believe it. We got here. It's happening. It's coming up. And... I have maybe some stuff that I'll share about what's going on. Maybe I'll have some updates by then. I don't know. 
In the meantime, I'm hustling. I've been working as a runner with ESPN on some of the broadcasts they've been doing. You know how I run the game, baby. And uh, I'm just finding ways to continue earning some money and biding my time until it is my time. And then, watch out, baby. I am back next week. I am Ben Tompkins. That is Real Talk.